right, here we are back. Girlfriends of Virgin podcast, talking again with some wonderful ladies. A couple of new ladies tonight here to join us on our topic of infant mortality, infertility, and parenting for Black women. I, your host, your main lady, Renee, is here again with her favorite, Miss Lisa LJ. And we have Miss Reverend, Reverend Dr. Anita Morris has joined us. We're going to just add that because you're going to give us some uh, prescription about these this topic tonight. And Miss Laura, this is the doctor, this lady. You got to love a beautiful lady. Yes. So let's just get started, ladies. We are talking about a hot topic tonight. I mean, this is something that still today, a lot of us are not comfortable talking about any issues we've had as it relates to trying to get pregnant or after having gotten pregnant or even for that matter while we're parenting. Um, I certainly can speak to how I had struggles raising my daughter and I wasn't necessarily so comfortable with seeking help or reaching out. And I certainly have now learned that that was not the way to go. So I want to tell anybody that really it takes a village to raise a child and reach out to your girlfriends, your family, everybody. So talk to us. Who's going to start off? We're talking about, I mean, really, I don't know if we want to start with infertility or uh, infant mortality or, or kind of intertwine them both or how. Well, now, I don't, you know, let's say I, I don't have any um, really experience with infertility per se. There was a time in our, you know, I and I have been married for almost 30 years. And so there, so there was a time when we were, you know, trying to have, um, I'm not hush. He goes, I don't tell everything. When we were, <laughs> when we were, uh, you know, when we were, we were trying to have um, a child because he had two children. I had one, but we had none together. And there was just a lot of different things going on with that. And so I know, you know, the disappointment of, you know, you're two days late, like, oh, oh. And so we just kind of gave up on that. And so I thought it was like a motor or something going. It might be something on my end. And then I do have, you know, experience with um, infant mortality because we lost a five-month-old grandson to CIS about eight years ago. And how did you, you know, how did you deal with that? So we'll start there because I, you know, let me just say this. Um, the infant mortality, I, I hate to say that I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do remember my great-grandmother who raised me. She had a child that was stillborn. Um, and of course, I, I remember her you know, really considering that child as if that child had lived, you know, right. a much longer time. And right. so that was obviously devastating, but it wasn't something that we really talked about. You right. know? And I can say myself, I had a miscarriage before, but I will admit that at the time that I had the miscarriage, it really wasn't a planned pregnancy. So while in a way it was I don't know if it was so traumatizing for me as much, especially because it wasn't planned. It wasn't, I didn't want to be pregnant per se. So I didn't process it maybe in a way that I probably should have. Uh, especially when I realized how many women actually suffer miscarriages or stillborn births. And the fact that 
these statistics are showing in 2020, you know, right. infant mortality rate for us is just still unbelievably high for us here in the United States. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you like? Seriously, what do you think about that? Like. Well, you know, we we found out after my grandson died that the infant mortality rate for African-American boys dying from uh, SIDS is is higher than, you know, girls or any other um, race or anything. So the, the, the rate that African-American male babies die from SIDS is um, higher than other babies. You know, we didn't find this stuff out until, of course, you know, afterwards. And so... Um, they really don't know what what causes that, you know, not that I'm aware of. So um, it's just something, you know, difficult to to process because there's not a whole lot you can do to, you know, there are some things you can do to take precautions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things that just, you know, catches you off guard. You know, they're here, you know, one day they're here, the next day they're not. But what about how, I guess that's the thing, it's like, and that goes back to a topic we discussed a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago about Black women and that's always having to be strong, you know, something like this. You have a child or think you're going to have a child and the child is born, stillborn or died from SIDS. How, to you all's knowledge, like, do you know, or do you know anybody else? I mean, did people just not talk about it? Do they just keep it a secret? Are you feeling ashamed? Or what is the stigma behind it? I didn't really feel, you know, it's like I said, it was, it was a grandchild for me. And like I said, I know my daughter, you know, the, the hard part for me was being a grandmother dealing with the loss of a baby and then having my baby, my daughter, dealing with the loss of her son and so as a mom you know you want to fix things and i remember that the most stressful thing for me i, the, the, I think this was probably the most powerless i've ever felt in my entire life was that there was something broken in her life that mama couldn't fix <laughs> you know and so that was you know what you know the most powerless i've ever felt in my life is you know to get that call that he's not breathing and then no, and then get the call that you know he died, and you know he's just so powerless, you know. And I didn't feel like that I had to be strong because I had a really great support system, family, and definitely my church family. But it was you know it was hard. It was really hard to you know process that. Do you know much about this, Lisa? Well, not the actual you know the immortality rates and all that but for me at 16 years old i was told after an assault sitting in a room by myself that i was that i would never have kids and so prior to that as i was growing up that's all i used to think about because i love kids i was the babysitter of the neighborhood and i just loved kids and i had a way with them and then to have that mental thought that I would never be able to have it because of someone else's behavior towards me and then to be blessed with them. So I went through a range of emotions dealing with that, you know, wanting them and then not thinking that I wasn't going to have them and then having them. But I had a friend who lost her baby. She was pregnant at the same time as my daughter was pregnant. Now my daughter was 17, but 
my the friend she was an older woman and she wanted to have a baby and to watch her emotions with my kid and herself once she found she was pregnant then she lost the baby and she still had to go through the process of pushing the stillborn baby out oh, wow. that was difficult to watch yeah you wow. know mentally for her that for me you know as a mom that was just hard to watch um hold on i was actually just trying to go back to something i uh read and you know what actually you know my sister my sister has had two children not stillborn but in the neonatal now that i've had a lot of experience with you know the children being born a little bit early need to stay in the hospital you know all that kind of thing is it's very difficult um it's 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 scary it's difficult it's painful especially when you have a child that comes in you know that's born this maybe they say the child's not going to make it um and i just didn't know how many of us really dealt with that kind of thing like i i, I just I, I feel so ignorant about this because the truth is i've never talked about it i mean in fact i think in one of the articles i shared you know for black women for the most part, I think I thought too. Yeah, you'll just when you're ready to get pregnant, you're gonna get pregnant. You're gonna have a healthy baby, and if you want to have ten of them, you can do that. If you want to have fifteen, you can do that because my great grandmother did that. You know, I mean, really, you 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 were not educated about parenting, the process, what could happen. Even in fact, I remember when I got pregnant with my daughter. That's when I learned how many people really don't carry their babies to full term, you know, or the babies don't make it. And it was just like, what? And I'm thinking, I'm I'm after that. what'd you say, Anita? I said, I have to chime in after that. <laughs> okay, well, go ahead, take it. Okay, when you said how many people don't carry their babies to full term, oh, Laura, I don't know if she knows, she met my mom when she was alive. My mom <laughs> passed away for 10 years. So okay. I grew up in a faith tradition since I was 17 years old. The Lord had his hand upon me since I was 17. Um, and so I gave my life to the Lord. And when I went to my first base in Wyoming, it was Wyoming, um, Air, Effie Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, I went to, uh, attended a Christian Bible fellowship. And we only believe by faith, by faith. This will happen by faith. This will happen. And we prayed, laying hands on the sick and they recovered. And so I took that faith. I read the Bible like constantly, probably 10 times in one year. You know, and I did that for seven years, 10 years at a time throughout my duration in the military. Um, and I became a youth pastor. And so when I would go home and visit from Wyoming, go back to Rhode Island on the West Coast to the East Coast, I would lay hands on my family members, those that have kids out of my life. Those who my my family on my father's side, who had my great grandmother, she became a church mother or what do you call it, a mother of the church. Um, and then we didn't know until she passed away that she had three husbands, you know. And that she uh, had three what? Three husbands. She was married three. Oh. And so that's a critical on those who are clergy to be married more than once. You see what I'm saying? And so I was married in Wyoming. My first marriage was white and he didn't want to have interracial kids in 2000. So I had to wait 20 years like Hannah, pray to the Lord that, you know, when it comes time that God will make time for it. And my um, oldest auntie, who's an American Indian, 
she passed away at 104 years old. And she would tell my mother, when Anita settles down and stop going all deployed from this place to this place, she's not ready. She's not settled. And so she knew that a person who's ready, they will have a sense of settledness. I was not settled all those years, no way. So I can't blame the infertility on the white guy who I married because he didn't want to have interracial kids. He ended up getting um, a vasectomy, you know? When I came back from 9-11, I toured overseas indefinitely. When 9-11 kicked off, I was overseas, didn't know when I was coming back. I just deployed to help out, of course, with the Iraq Operation in Order Freedom. So when I, when I returned, they called me from the base and said, your husband wants you to sign this paper because he's trying to get a vasectomy, but you never had any kids. Do you want kids? Of course I want kids. This is two years into my marriage. I stayed married. After he had that vasectomy, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said, follow peace. So his, um, his uh, dynamic perspective was his seed was superior, superior like prejudice, prejudice against black women. It's okay to be candy, eye candy. <laughs> Get that baby out that chair. <laughs> he didn't want to have that seed you know, procreate with me. And so with that said, I just continued on with my education and she's tired. And then um, I was even, I would even tell you when I was, when I sought fertility treatments, it wasn't until 2017, 17 years later, when I attended clinical pastoral education and um, my mentor who was um, certifying me for clinical pastoral education she mentioned, Anita, I know you've been discriminated against in your marriage, but you know, this is a white woman, German, you know we have the best clinic in Massachusetts for reproductive health. And I was like, well, if you want, she goes, if you want to do fertility treatments, you're welcome to do that. You know, I said, for real? And so I thought about it, and that stayed in my conscience for two years. <laughs> I, you so, know, I, hold on, let's, let's ask you something right there. Sure. So especially as a black woman, a black woman that considers herself Christian, uh-huh. how did you overcome, I think the, because the to go to the fertility treatment, I don't believe that's the church's route. <laughs> so how did you overcome that? Well, you know what? One good thing is when you have your own ministry and then you're, I'm in yours. Um, by ecclesiastical endorsements in Texas, and they know everything about me from from day one. It's nothing that something hidden that they don't know anything about. That's one thing. When you become endorsed, they're not endorsing. One thing about the United States Air Force, they don't endorse that person. They endorse the faith tradition to bring them on board. But the person who the um the agency who endorses me know everything about me. They know that I have a companion. They know I had fertility treatments. That was approved by VA. VA paid all the approved for the um, authorizations to continue on with no funds from me. Besides, I had to pay for the vial, which is the sperm. Okay, because in my successes of having uh, a mate and a life of of an Air Force woman who is what do you call it independent, and you can't shut me down. I'm ready to go. You know, here and there in those places where God say. But oftentimes I married incorrectly because that's not what the man wanted. So the infertility came because it wasn't a seed available of the sperm for me. You know, just like I can equate that in the biblical terminology as um, 
if you look at Tamar's life in uh, um, the biblical, she said, you promised this seed to me. And she didn't get a seed. So she went into her father-in-law, Judah. I didn't go that far. But when God said he promised, he's going to bring to pass. And you don't have to mix it through it. I had a companion for five years. And my ecclesiastic knew it. Because okay, it, now what is a companion? Because I don't know if I know. Do you know what a companion is? Yeah, partner for life. And so they know that I was, you know, had a companion. And when the fertility doctors mentioned, there's like, you're in a committed relationship. He's of age where, you know, are you going to break up your commitment with your boy, you know, your boyfriend, what have you. And you want to go on with this fertility. I said, yes, because I'm making a decision on my own, not for anybody else's. All my family members love my companion, love, you know, and, and what happened and a patriarch, I want to tell you about patriarch, is that it's always the father's approval, right? And so mm -hmm. in the biblical, it's always the father's approval. So my father really loved my companion. But the thing is, they wanted to make sure that he was in agreement with it. And so one good thing is, he said, I'm not going to stop you entering motherhood. You know, I didn't look to him for approval. But at the same token, I know I was going to do what I was going to do. And the doctor was like, well... It's amazing. He's still with you. Even my family said, you have a mate that's with you and he's not even the biological daddy, <laughs> you know? And so you have people who hate on you because you didn't plan it that way. I think we talked about this, Renee. I couldn't plan it that way. I didn't have any plans of how I want it to be. You know, um, often people work and, and parent with their kids. That's additional. Uh, plus, because I had to finish my commitment as a um, captain in the Air Force, as a chaplain, but I didn't know I was going to retire a year earlier. So I have more time with my baby. I retired in December. And so even though I'm working at the time part time, it's difficult, as you can tell. But at the same token, I get to spend time in my retirement life, in my second half of my life. But you know, this is what I want to come back to, ladies, because because this topic is still very, as they say, taboo. I mean, this is not a popular topic in the black community in particular. And especially, I can't help but to go back to the black church because while I, I love Anita and I love her story, um, I guess when I think about my sisters who might be watching this or listening to this, what do you say to those who are steeped in church and a companion, they would be thinking, well, God says we're supposed to be married to have a baby. I'm supposed to, you know, have a baby the natural way. I mean, what do you, what do you say to them who are struggling with these traditional Christian values, if you will? Right. Well, I've read, I've read a story. Again, I go with the biblical text, you know, and also God makes things beautiful in his timing. I have gone and spun in vast marriages and I warn you for those just because you, you want to do it legalistic. Remember, I told you my grandmother was a mother in the church. You know, it's not just being married. It's also having a healthy marriage. You know, that is the goal. You know, anybody can go down and get a wedding, have a beautiful dress, and have, um, have $10,000 wedding. Oh. Terrible, you know? 
And so she's just tired. It's her time, 7 3 to 8 30. I already told you. It's right. okay, Anita. You got three veterans around this camera. <laughs> <laughs> We got three veterans around here, so we're just fine. So for those of you who are watching, you know, some people might be giving Anita a hard time, but I know if you're a mother, I know you can't be because this is what mothers do. We, we multitask and, and you're doing a great job. Yeah. So where was I, Renee? <laughs> so, so bottom line, you were talking about the church and the fact that you define these traditional values. And you're encouraging others to do what? Because I, because that's that's the thing. I, one, we need to talk about this more. I don't think this should be something. If you're trying to get pregnant, and for whatever reason you're struggling to get pregnant, you never know. Your girlfriend may have had the same struggle, or or a or has a family member who's had the same struggle. So I think it's value certainly in talking about your struggles because Anita is going to share. That's the whole reason that she decided to do this, right? Right, because like you said, one thing, Renee, is that you defied it. I didn't go out, like I said, I didn't go out the set history, you know, like what you mentioned earlier, Laurie, about being the first African-American talent. I didn't go out to set history to go, I'm going to be a reverend clergy and have fertility treatment and I'm going to have a baby. I wouldn't know. I said, Lord, I'm going to order two vials. Like I said, I pondered in my heart for two years when I acknowledged that was the opportunity for me to do. I said, if it happens, with one bottle, because it costs a thousand dollars cash. I said, I'm not gonna buy two. That's two thousand dollars out of my, you know, mortgage payments, you know. And so you gotta get money from somewhere. But you gotta know the psychological factors that white people have. I don't think so much black people we are strong. Not we don't have the psychological dilemmas when we don't. Um, we are we fell the first cycle or we fell the second cycle. The people were so patient, so quiet, and the and the uh, outpatient for the reproductive health, it is so serene, so peaceful, and you don't discuss your issues outside the platform. Because like you said, it's private, it's a family thing, and it's an individual thing. So if somebody's success is praised, you, you've got to keep that to yourself and leave that office because somebody else might be on their third vial, might be on their fourth vial, and we're not successful, you know? I was successful on the first vial when she injected cool. in the fertility right. treatment. I had one egg and a half. She goes, what do you have here? She goes, you have an egg and a half and you have a three And how old were you again, Anita? 42 years old. 42. Advanced maternity age. And I was a preemie. Just to let you know, Lord, remember, she knows my background a little bit. And she yeah. met my mom when she was alive. I was a preemie. So having a trauma, thinking that I would have a preemie baby because I was a preemie. I was born seven months into my mom's pregnancy, 28 weeks, two and a half pounds. They had to stick needles in my head and I had to stay in the hospital for five months until I was weighed a certain amount and, and was able to do healthy on my own. I had to live with that with carrying my baby. Is she gonna be born 28 weeks? You know, she's she had a full term, her and I had a full term, 40 weeks above and beyond we asked for the baby with one vial to God be the glory, you know? And it was my my egg. I didn't, and I just want to let you guys know the difference. Uh, IUI is intrauterine, that needs a sperm. If you have um, IVF, that needs an egg. Just to let you know the difference, I needed a sperm. Okay, I didn't know. Okay. So here's my question for you, Anita, is that, you know, I know various couples who are, you know, Christians and, 
um, you know, the wife would like to have a child, may want to have a child, but you have the husband who was like, well, you know, no, that's messing. No, we're not going to do the in vitro stuff because that's trying to take the place of God or they feel some kind of way about having to give a sperm sample or things like that. What would you say to couples and maybe specifically to the men who are hesitant with that? I'm sorry, Barbara. Oh, you were talking about because that was very good about the women who have the husband who's not. Oh well, yeah, no, no, that, no, that 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 the woman would like you know doesn't mind the whole IVF thing, but you know the husband you know may be like no, um, once again with that Christian mindset, you know no you're messing with God, you're trying to take the place of God, or you know I don't want to give my sperm sample because of the process that you have to go about giving a sperm sample and, you know, oh, you're going to go to hell, you handling your stuff like that. And you know what I'm saying? So how do you, so how do you understand? So, so, you know, what would you say to couples, men, especially who have that mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that is a private issue. I would say that, and um, whoever they go to the counseling, um, again, go get counseling first to, to, you know, what plugs in people's minds who are going through the fertility. Men, I can only talk for my own situation. If it's a man, you know, if they already had kids and they don't want to go down that route again because they become of age and they don't want to do that, they already had, they've been there, done that, then again, you can be in a situation where that, like you said, a wife want kids. That wife and that husband may not pan out. You know, just like how I said, I was in a relationship. I'm still praise God with with the same man, but at the same for six years. But it may not always end up, even if you're married. You know, and you have that child, even though he didn't want it. You know, and if he he didn't have the seed to plug in, like so he didn't want to give a seed for that test, or his test had come out and it wasn't for you know, that means he's infertile. And that's something, again, it's a private matter, but if she wanted to pursue it and she ended up having the baby by speaking out IUI like I did outside of the, the husband without, you know, traditional approval, right? Is that necessary? Both her partners need to be in agreement, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, that's already a division. You already set yourself up for a division because um, you're already married. So I, I would think that that's something. So Barbara, just to bring you up to speed, I don't know how much you heard, but we were oh, talking about infertility. And right now, Laura was pre- uh, presenting to Anita, who has that beautiful little baby through infertility mm-hmm. um, at 42 years old. So that's awesome. Uh, but Laura was asking, what what do you say to the women who are in marriages and they want a child? The husband doesn't. And because of her issues, they need to do infertility, but the husband doesn't want to go through that process. May I and, ask a question? Yes. Uh, the question, and I'm sorry, I'm on my uh, cell phone because my laptop 
I guess his dad. In any event, um, damn, I lost my friend thought. I'm so sorry. I'll have to come back to it. That's okay. So so here's what I'm saying to, to, to Laura's question. Oh, oh, question was, did you not, did both of you know that you were on either side of the line? One wanted children, one did not before you married? Was that your question, Laura? Yeah. Yeah, this, this, no, it, it's not. Well, it's, it's not a question for me personally. No, no, it's just no, that. No, no, no. There the is question is to uh, a young lady with the baby. Oh, Anita. Anita, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. Uh -huh. so was that a thing? Uh, yeah, was that a decision? Did you both know one wanted, one didn't want before you got married? Okay, ma'am. I didn't lay down with anybody to have my child. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, no, no, no. I was asking, was, yeah. that, was that a complete decision? I say that as a joke because I come from a religion. And so a lot of people say, again, like Renee said, girl, she's a clarion, she's a remnant, and she has a kid without a husband. Oh, I went to the hospital and I had injected. <laughs> you know, meaning I didn't have to sleep down with nobody to have a child. You know, oftentimes that is the case with, with when you uh, have children on a wedding. That's one barrier. I'm glad I don't have to face it, you know, my child. Mm -hmm. um, but if if you so had a child out of wedlock, we have a lot of black women. My mom, my sisters, my, my mom's family had 14 kids. She was married twice. She had seven kids with the first husband, seven kids with the other. So it does happen where God say, be fruitful and multiply. And that's what they knew back then. So they procreated and had plenty of family fruitful. My grandmother had 14 kids. My mom had five kids. And like you said, it takes a village. So I don't knock any single woman who had to raise their child by themselves because it does take an effort, like family of faith or siblings, if you have good, healthy siblings, but a lot of family of faith uh, is really beneficial for what you're gonna do that's outside the norm. Well, I, no, I, I, I get all of that. I was just wondering in terms of when you, you knew when you got together, one wanted children and one didn't. And that was a conscious decision, but you chose to move forward on your own. I'm just trying to, I must have missed the I'm going to answer you. I'm going to answer you. Yes, for the first one. You missed the first, um, the first section of the, um, with this recording episode. You missed the first episode. My first husband, we were married seven years. I wanted kids, and he didn't agree with kids or not. I don't know if he wanted kids. All I know, we were married, and we were going to have kids. That was our agreement. Two years into our marriage, we were already married. He never told me he didn't want kids, Barbara. Uh, I come okay, home. That's what I was asking. Okay. And yeah. so I come home from 9-11 deployment from overseas to Masira Island, Oman, the Indian Ocean. And they called me when I got home from the United States. They said, your husband's in the hospital, on the hospital bed, and having a vasectomy. Wow. And we need you to sign these papers because you never had a child. And I was only 20, 24. Mm -mm. Let me say this to you, Anita. I'm not questioning 
It's just that I was trying to play, I guess, catch up. And I apologize to you um, if, it, if, if it got through as anything other than I, I didn't hear the first part. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying. So do you get it now? Yeah, I get it now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I want to go back to what I'm trying to get because I ain't got what I'm trying to get. And I'm trying to get up here. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> So I want to get back to Laura's questions, ladies, which was, and Anita might not have an answer, but this is where the rest of us, and granted, we speculating because the rest of us have uh, had children. We're done having children, okay? So we're, we can only speculate and we're talking for others. But, Barb, but Laura's question was, what do you say to the women who are in marriages right now? And just like Anita, maybe, just like Anita in that they married assuming that they would, you know, they were with someone who wanted children. Uh, now they realize that this part, that they're having issues and that husband doesn't want to go through the process to help them because mm-hmm. they're, you know, not able to conceive naturally. Mm-hmm. So to me, what I say, and then you all tell me, but what I would say <laughs> to someone is girlfriend. If like Anita, if God put it in your heart to be a mother and you want to have a child or 10 or however many, then you might have to let brother go if he really won't go through the process. Because to be honest, it's the same thing if your husband is, if you're not having issues. Some husbands will go and get a vasectomy. If you weren't in the military, they could go do it without somebody calling you. You see what I'm saying? That has happened to people. And so I say, if you want a child, you have your child. I mean, when I had my daughter, no, I wasn't married. And I certainly didn't plan really to be a single parent, but evidently I didn't plan not to either, right? (laughs) So I got pregnant, then I made a decision. Is this something I can do on my own? Because I'm on my own. And I said, yes. So I did it and I didn't look back and I don't have any regrets. Now for me, mm-hmm. because uh, I'm a professional woman and that was very important for me. As a result, I couldn't have any more children by myself. I couldn't handle it. That's me. I'm just telling you the truth. So what do you all say? What'd you say, Lisa? A woman with a man who don't want to have children and, or he doesn't want to help her do whatever she needs to do to bring that baby for her. You know, I think, you know, I I personally wouldn't be comfortable. Let's say if I'm I'm gonna say let's say this situation was me, it's not. But you know, let's say I wanted to have children and my husband, he's okay with having children, he just doesn't want to go the in vitro route. You know, he wants to put it all in God's hands and doesn't want the, you know, the whole stigma of having to give the sperm, blah, blah, blah. So he's not against children. He's just against the method process. Yeah. I would have a problem with just saying, okay, well, fine. I'm just going to do it without you. Because I think that would, that would, that would, um, I don't know, so much strife would enter, I believe, into the marriage. And so for me to, you know, we're in this thing as one and not that we, not that we always agree on everything. And sometimes we have to, you know, compromise. And, you know, I've been married almost 30 years. 
And I can say that I haven't always gotten my way and he hasn't always gotten his way. And I think there are some, some, you know, some minor things and then some major things. And so even though I might have a desire to have a child, I wouldn't want to go, I don't say even behind his back, but to go and say, well, if you're not gonna give me a child, I'm gonna give somebody else's sperm and get pregnant. And then we're gonna raise this child together. I know the husband that I have, he'd be like, oh, really? And so I'm like, you know, he's pretty patient and understanding, but he's like, no, baby, we're not gonna do that. And so I, I personally wouldn't advise anybody to, you know, go and do it that way. You know, that might be just one of those oh, things. But Laura, but hold on, Laura. Hold on, Laura, because I hear what you're saying. But here's what's concerning to me, and I think that's the issue around this whole infertility for Black women altogether as well. I mean, I guess one, I would hope maybe you're not married, and maybe that's to Barbara's point. Hopefully you're not marrying somebody that you didn't have a discussion about this so you don't have to face this kind of thing. But I think a, a baby, being a parent, that's a deal breaker to me. If you, if one of you really want to be a parent and the other one doesn't, we can't be together because that means somebody has to give up something so dear to them. And why should they have to do that in the name of talking about we compromise? That ain't, you compromise over getting a new car. You compromise over whether we're buying a new house, but you don't compromise over having a hysterectomy, having a baby. I mean, those are things that if, if you're going to do something that prevents us from having a child, why do I want to stay married to you? If that's important I mean, to me. Yeah. I think once again, you know, that each couple will have to make that. I'm just saying for me personally, I wouldn't be willing to bring that into my marriage. And so that might be one of those things where, you know, I would have to trust God on that because I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that, you know what, I'm going to get what I want no matter what, what you say. And so that's just me. That, that, that would be a sacrifice that I, Laura, would be willing to make and just say, well, you know, God, if it is meant for me to do this, you deal with that man. He was your child before he was my husband. You know his heart better than I know his heart. If this is something that you really want, you twist his heart, you change his heart. But I'm not just going to go and do that. That's what do you think about me. that, Sister Crawford? Yeah. Well, I ain't with it. I really can't. Um, my experience was that I went into my marriage telling my husband that. I, I said, do you want kids? He said, do you? I said, I don't think I can have them. They told me I couldn't have them. He said, well, that's cool. And I was like, okay. So we lived our life thinking that we weren't going to have any kids. It was a very short life because I think I got pregnant like a few minutes after we got married. <laughs> 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 then I turned around and had to whip him around and say, oh, by the way, the doctor was wrong. God said yes, and there's something growing in here. It's not a sick. It's bad. 
So, you know, he went through a, a little bit of emotion and then he ended up being not the person I thought he was going to be. And I still ended up raising him by myself and with my family. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't even think that way because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. See, but that and Barbara and, and hold on, Anita, and I definitely want you to chime in because this this is a hot topic, and and I certainly love and respect Laura, and I get it, and I and I think she's right, just in the grand scheme of things. If you marry, if you go and marry, then yeah, you may be met with some things that you have to compromise. So that's why you want to be careful when well, you marry. I think that's why I think that's. Some uh, individuals, that's that's their prerogative. If they if that's a decision that they've made, you know how they're going to live their lives and how they're going to move forward. That that's theirs, you know. I, and I get what you're saying that she didn't think that she could do that to her husband, and that's hers. So everybody has a may have a different spin on it. I'm just saying. Well, right, and that's why we got to appreciate it because that's what Anita is here demonstrating. Anita was married. That's the whole thing. And she had a husband who made a decision that he did not want a child with her. So she could have said, well, Lord, I'm going to pray and ask God to, you know, wait and see what God does. She chose to do it on her own. Listen, Listen, I don't have any issues or problems, no questions other than what was the beginning? Now that you've explained that to me, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Anita. Yeah. I didn't get really Lisa. Um, Lisa, I just wanted to recap what happened in the scenario that you gave us, that um, you had went to the doctors and you thought it was a cyst, but it was a baby. Mm-hmm. No, well, I was told early on that I would never have kids because of an assault. So when I met my husband, and I asked, that was one of the first questions that I asked because he had a bunch of nieces and nephews. I said, do you want children? He said, do you? I said, well, I don't think I can have them. And so the doctor thought that maybe, you know, it was a cyst or I was anemic because I kept passing out and all this stuff, but it was actually a baby. Mm. So that I had to flip him back around to, you know, bro, you got to be a dad. Mm. You know, so... It was just a different situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to so, just say that, I'm sorry, that, you know, with just to bring Miss Barbara up, is that where, you know, where Anita is now with the baby, this mm-hmm. was years, years in between the mm-hmm. vasectomy husband to where mm-hmm. she is now, where she's, you know, she's, she's single, she's mm-hmm. not married, and she made the empowering choice to say, you know, you know, she wasn't married. She had no one earthly to answer to. And she made the choice in spite of, you know, Christianity saying you need to be married. You have to have the husband. Yeah. And so so she had a whole different array of choices before her. Yeah. She didn't have she didn't have to consider a husband. All she had to consider was this is my choice. I have the opportunity to do it. And so the baby that she has now is so many years separated from the vasectomy husband. And so those are two different choices. I come the vasectomy husband, but you know, um, and so you know, I think you know the 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 beautiful thing about where Anita is is that you know, in spite of traditional Christianity, 
in spite of you know what what the mamas tell you you need, you need to be married the fact that she says i just want a baby i don't want to lay in sin you know what i'm saying she didn't you know she didn't have sex outside of marriage she did it in vitro and so she's still you know was walking in her holiness and her integrity but she just did it her way she consulted god she consulted her body and she took she took charge of her choices and i think you know to me that's a beautiful thing to maybe go against the grain and say you know i want this baby i don't i don't have to have the husband and i don't have to lay to get it i have this choice yeah. and, and but you know what concerns me about what i'm hearing now this is what concerns me with all due respect you said she didn't lay and have a baby. So that's maybe that's noble. But if she had laid and had the baby out of wedlock, would that be less noble? No, but 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 since we're talking about in vitro and infertility, that's what I'm saying is that the fact that she made that choice. I mean, you know, I had, you know, I had a child out of wedlock, so definitely I'm not judging anybody who does. But what I'm saying is that, you know, she she saw that choice before her. And she took it. So it's not so much about whether she laid to get it, but the fact that she she was empowered by a choice to do it a different way, in spite of what the church would tell you. Yeah, and let me let me iterate too, Lord. Thank you for telling that faithful story. But God is faithful, even when we're faithless. So I just want to humble myself and give God the glory because He He remained faithful in spite of the discrimination. Um with the one that wanted to have a vasectomy, two years into it, into our marriage, he wanted to have a vasectomy. And once he had it, the Lord said, follow peace. I knew it was anxiousness on his heart. And me, a woman of faith, I'm not gonna live in a, a, a space where somebody's anxious and worried what this day will look like because I was married interracial. He was white. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Wyoming and I'm from Rhode Island. So he's close to the West Coast. And he was mm -hmm. conscious, was like, what would the baby look like? Would she be white? Would she be black? Would she have this color? You know, all these different things on his conscience. And um, when my mom was alive, he would question my mom. My mom would tell him, watch Roots, watch Queen, you know, watch these different movies. You know, you'll get, you know, learn info information on a of array of different nationalities, array of different complexions and diversity. It's beautiful, you know? None of that convinced him. So with that said, I signed the paper and we married, we stayed married additional five years after that. So a total of seven years after the two year vasectomy, he stayed married an additional five years because he mentioned that he will reverse it at that given time, you know? And so when it was come time to the reversal, I had already finished my bachelor's degree. I already had my community college of Air Force. I already gone overseas three times. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm settled. And so he then told me I didn't want to have a baby with you because of interracial. I didn't want to mix my seed of having an interracial baby. Then he tells me the truth, the why that he didn't want to, not because he didn't want to have any, he had a, a, a discrimination against black people. And I said, since you have confessed this to me, I don't think you should go with the reverse because you don't, you have prejudice against my people. I'm right. not. You know, we live in Wyoming, we want to protect in Wyoming of black people. 
and that's all they're here for. <laughs> and so he really he didn't want to have a reversal because he had a carbon that he might bleed to death with a reversal, you know, and of that perspective. Why would put somebody do that harm when you already have all the stigma? And I'm 30 years old at the time. Remember, I was 24. Now I'm 30, going on 31, and you are still, you know, uneasy with it. So that's when we have call it quits. And um, I had my clergy um, assistant pastors, and they came in because I was I was a, a youth pastor, and they said, Anita, we apologize for marrying you and my then ex husband right now. And he said, because when we counseled him by himself, he told us that situation, but we didn't reveal it to you. Wow. Oh, my God. That church. Because pastor, remember, religion can get you into, um, what do you call it, bondage. Unnecessary. And cause a divorce unnecessary. You know, they saved you and spared you that marriage because we all knew a while that you wanted to have a kid and he didn't because mm. of because of mixing seeds. He didn't want to have interracial kids, but we kept it to ourselves. And I told senior pastor to not marry you. And he married you guys anyway. Wow. So I waited 20 years to have tested without a male. Not that, not that I chose because I did marry um, two black men in Atlanta, but they were just abusive, violent men. Um, and it only lasted one year at a time. So those didn't really count to me. But like I said, I do have an accountability, which is my ecclesiastical endorser in um, Texas. And they know me from a babe to now. At and 40. are you happy? Are you happy? I am very happy. Very fulfilled. <laughs> very fulfilled. And my mom is my mom is singing in glory saying, yes, you answer my prayer, Lord. I always want my baby to have a baby. And mm-hmm. now they see my baby chest, and they said, they say baby loves me, or you know how they used to call my mom. She come to visit us through my my daughter Chesset, because Chesset looks just like my mom. Hey, and hi, beautiful. Yeah, so she'll be one years old on Monday. Yep. Wow. So well, you know, I, I hope this is encouraging. So let me tell you all, Barbara is, is my dear wow. sister friend. I like to tell her age. That's amazing for me. They will be one on Monday. My oldest will be 30 on Tuesday. I'm too, I'm too young to hang out wow. with you. I, I'm too young to be on here with these old ladies. <laughs> so Barbara Where did is our most senior. And Barbara's 73, and I love her. She's one of my dearest friends. And what do you want to know before we wrap okay. up? I mean, really. Well, this has been very uh, awesome topic. It's to been discuss. very enlightening. It has been. But this is what I want to know. It really has been. From Barbara and Laura. You know, so I don't have a topic. this is a topic that. I don't know not... where our host went. Hold on. Hello? I guess be back. Hello? Well, I, I, I said I don't know where our host went. I guess she'll be back. Hello? Hello? Oh, you don't hear me? You. She can't Hello? see you. She can't Hello? see you. Hello? She cannot see you, Renee. I can't. Where has that happened? Can you hear? You can't see me? I can't see you. Uh-uh. I can see you, Renee. I can't see you. Who can't see you? Who can't see you? I don't know. I see you. 
You see me? I see. I see you. Okay, well, my screen is black because my computer cut off for whatever reason. So maybe. Oh my God, Lisa, I see you and I hear you. But this is what I want to do. It's ladies, and I'm going to have to head out. I have another virtual engagement. Okay. Okay, LJ. Take care, take care, man. Anita, it was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Lisa. Bye, Bye, Coach. I'm going to see you this week. Bye, 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 because really, I mean, and, and, and Barbara being 73, you, I, I mean, I just you want to. Per- all right, 72, 72. I'm sorry, no, 72. Knock it off one more year. 71. <laughs> she said knock it off. <laughs> but really, listen, really, my question for you all in particular on this subject matter. Why was this something, I mean, just pregnancy, all of this, why was this something in your era of coming up that, that we just didn't talk about? And the no, idea of something, uh, mm-hmm. Go we ahead. talked about it, and most girls, most ladies that had their babies early were ostracized in the community. So it was talked about, just not the right people. <laughs> How about that? What are your thoughts, Laura? <laughs> I think I think I would say that maybe people didn't feel it was a need to talk about it. It's you know that you know I got, I got pregnant when I was a senior in high school, so you know my talk about it was don't get pregnant, <laughs> you know don't get pregnant. And so I think maybe I don't know about other communities. I can't really say. But I think I don't think you know my, my aunties and those in my era thought it was a need to talk about. It. Like you said, okay, you know, you lay down, you have sex, you get pregnant. They didn't talk about infertility. I don't even I don't even remember hearing that word infertility. Although I'm quite sure it existed, but mm-hmm. you know, I think about you know the, uh, the the stigma Michelle Obama said she felt when she had to do mm-hmm. in vitro. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole that whole stigma. And even once she put it out there that her and President Obama had to do, you know, the in vitro, there was a lot of mockery about it, you know, and I think that's one reason why we don't talk about it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm telling you, I'm so proud of Anita, and I hope that the people that watch this, that hear this, um, that those who are still wanting to get pregnant, to have children, whether they have married or maybe they're in a relationship where the guy, you know, doesn't want that. I mean, I, I hope you're inspired by Anita because the reality is this: um, do you got to do what's in your heart? I mean, if you're unmarried and you can afford to take care of you and your child, why should you? Not, why should you go through life and not have a child if you could actually have one and you can take care of them? You know, I mean, really, now don't get me wrong. I do think there is something to be said to have family, the father of the child there too. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I think about with my daughter, her dad was absent. And of course, you know, that bothered me. And then I remember one day, um, 
someone said, you know, maybe it's a good thing that he's not around because the fact that you all don't share the same views and values, if he were around, you might be fighting, you know, and every time the child goes to him, you know, you have to deprogram and all these other things. And I thought, you know what? I never considered that. And to be honest, it did make things a little, a lot easier for because I didn't have to fight with someone who really didn't want the child, who really didn't share our same values. Mm -hmm. But if I had it to do all over again, would I not have had a child because I wasn't married? No, I, I would have still had my child, and I'm glad well, that I did. Well, I think most women would prefer to have a husband mate to raise their child together. I mean, I, I would think think that that would be the perfect scenario, but it doesn't always happen like that. And in my generation, there were too many, uh, too many sisters that went ahead and stepped up because he wasn't there to step up for whatever reason it was. So that was, I think that was the pregnancy era during my time. I'm not a hundred, but you know, uh, that was the deal. You know, if you were pregnant, you were branded out of the neighborhood and you couldn't get a lot of support. So different times, I think means different things are handled differently. I, well, I think that you're, you're right, Barbara, because the truth is there was a time, even though, Laura, you said in vitro was probably around. Yeah. But in our community, that would have still been so frowned upon, you know, no matter how much money you had. Who could afford it? Well, that's an issue. But I'm just saying, I think it would have still been frowned upon even for a single woman like uh, Anita, who had the means to, to take care of the child 30 years ago. She still would have been frowned upon. I just I wanted to tell you this, even though I didn't live in the era of Barbara, I still had my own stigma. Like you said, every generation is different. I come from a family of 14. My mom had four my mom's mom had 14 kids. My my family, my mom, my mom had five kids alone. All her daughters had kids but me. And all my brothers had kids but me. I'm the only one that traveled outside of the world, outside the United States into, you know, overseas and everything. And so they thought my focus was never on kids because I wanted to travel. I wanted to be in the Air Force. And they, they always gave me their child to say, Anita doesn't have any kids. She can be the godmom of my child. So they always was calling their kids or as if I was a barren woman. My sister would look at me in my face or say, I have four kids. You want one of mine? Like, as if I'm, I'm, I'm belittled because I didn't have anything. And so they would say that about my money. You can do whatever you want to do with your money because you don't have kids. You know, it was like either I was barren or either I could do whatever I want because I was single. Now that I have a child, it blew their minds because I was 43 years old or 42 years old, having the baby, had it to full term, so 40 weeks. I was a preemie. I didn't have a preemie. I had a full term baby healthy. And I didn't have preeclampsia. I didn't have high blood pressure. I was a healthy mama all throughout. And so it flipped the part for my, my family and in some faith communities. They're like, who is she? Who did she think she is? Some people in my own family won't even talk to me because it blew their minds because that was the topic because I didn't have kids. And now that I have a child, they don't know what to do. They, they stopped talking to me. <laughs> 
So, so bottom line is you're saying that old era still exists. It still does. It, it still exists, but we're defying it. So that's it, ladies. We have talked a long time. God bless us. And I love having you all in my home. That's why the podcast, this is just a real relaxation time. Girlfriends talk, nothing special. Ladies, this has been real. I love you. I thank you for sharing. And I hope the folks that listen learned something, got a few tips, and uh, were encouraged by the conversation. Anybody want to say anything else before we close out? My question to you, Renee, you know, now yes, that ma'am. we've had this, had this, had this talk and I know, you know, you just got married, um, within this, within the last year, six months, mm-hmm. are you considering having a baby? Well, you know what, now I will tell you, and I shared this with Anita. So I, I did want more children. And as you heard me say earlier, I definitely didn't want another child by myself. Because like Anita, I was a professional lady and that was important. Mm-hmm. So when we got married, technically my husband has had a vasectomy. So I'm pushing on him about the reversal. But the truth is, I don't really know now because, because I had breast cancer and my breast reconstruction. And to be honest, like I have to go back to surgery next month. Um, and the type of surgery, this, re- this uh, tram flap. So what I did, because I didn't want to have an artificial breast, I thought I was doing myself a favor by having the tram flat, which would take your natural fat and put it, you know, and make a breast with it. But it is an extremely, an extremely major surgery. And then the fact that it didn't work so well and I have to go back to get it repaired, that repair to my abdominal wall, while I could put a baby in this belly, it would not really be ideal. Okay. Now, could I get somebody else to carry? I thought about that. The issue with my eggs now being 45-year-old eggs and 45-year-old eggs that, you know, I don't know how the breast cancer affected them at all, if they did. The possibilities for me become a little, there are more issues. Could, Could I still have a baby? All things are possible with God. So I think I have decided that uh, maybe that's not really what I want to do. And then I'll just be honest. My husband's 48. I'm 45. And the truth is uh, I do have a lot of nieces and nephews that I I could probably take in as my own. So for me, I think I'm okay. I thought I wanted another one, but I will admit 45. Yeah. Now, I want to babysit Anita's baby, but I'm going to send her back. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but you know, and I can understand that. Like I said, you know, Wayne, you know, my husband and I, you know, he had he had his two, and I had my one. And when we initially got together, we were, you know, party people. You know, we we were looking at okay, our kids are getting older, so we both agreed. We both agreed that once we got married, he would have a vasectomy because you know we didn't want any more kids. You know, we didn't want any more kids. Our kids are gonna be gone. We was gonna go out and party. Well, you know, we messed, you know, we messed around, you know, got in church, got saved, and we was like, okay, well, we really don't really want to party. <laughs> and then I, I began to have this, this urge that, you know, well, maybe I do want children, and mm-hmm. I struggled, and I struggled with that, how to tell him because I knew he had the vasectomy, and I didn't know anything about the basal vasectomy, and someone told me about it, so I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, how do I ask this man to go and undo what I had agreed? and said I was okay with, you know, I was in agreement with it. 
And so, you know, we, you know, we prayed about it and he, and he did go back and get the vasovasectomy so we could try to have this child. And, you know, years passed and, you know, we didn't have one, um, have a child. And I got to the point in my life um, where I kind of like, you're like, okay, well, you know what, if it ain't gonna happen, let's just make sure it doesn't happen. You know, I've crossed that line. And I think um, when it was my, my daughter, end up having a baby and she was staying with us and I was like okay God this is the way you're gonna give me my baby we're good and so you know he actually went back in I said well we need to make sure that nobody sneaks out so you you know, gonna have to go back in <laughs> you know <laughs> you know we wanted to make sure and so he actually you know so he actually went back in and you know and had another another one and right. so you know we're you know we're good now I'm I'm past menopause he's you know so we're good we got grandbabies but you know there is that you know that line between you know okay forget it I don't want to do this now and so you know I can understand that flip flopping back and forth that I want this baby I want this baby okay look I'm 45 46 now uh, maybe not <laughs> you know so um, no but I will say this it, it is very encouraging that so many women like Anita whether they had in vitro or they got married or whatever and they're 42 45 52 having a baby. Um, that's very encouraging because I, I do believe that, especially for I have friends who are 40 and 50 who haven't gotten married. They haven't had children and they still really would like to have them. And I, I think it's OK. Um, and who knows? You you all never know. I may be 50 and have a changed heart, but I, I definitely would have a surrogate. I can tell you that I would have a surrogate and I would have a nanny train. I mean, I, I, I'm just telling you as an older lady. Yeah, I would have to have a whole lot of things that I didn't have with the first one. So. Yeah, but Anita, we are going to come and be your little babysitter every now and again. <laughs> every now and again. I will even pay you a visit because that's my second home, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> well, come on down. That's right. I'll be there. Barb, any last words? No, yeah. this was a great conversation. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> I did too, I did. and I got yeah. Yeah, you really make sure to let us know when you when you head back to Atlanta, because you know Wayne and I will pop up there and come oh, see right. you. Or you come down here and hang out with us or whatever. I want to see that baby. That's right. <laughs> I know it's not me, Bart. Better bring that baby. I want to see you too, but I want to see that baby. Well, and you know that's another thing, Anita. When you have a baby, people don't care much about you anymore. Everything's about the baby. It's no, they care about you. Me. It's all good with me because you talked about that postpartum on the phone with me before. And mm. I definitely was sleep deprived for six months. I was, I'm not lying. Anxious, yeah. just sleep deprived. I just needed my sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hear you. Wow. <laughs> okay, ladies. It's been real. Say a prayer for me. And let me just say this. It, last thing. Um, I don't mind sharing my personal business. I, I, I do it in hopes that it'll help somebody. So I'm having my first colonoscopy. And I don't know off the top of my head when the age that you should do this. But I want to encourage more of us in our community to take better yeah. care of ourselves. Yes. And, you know, if, 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 if you have any form of cancer or any issue yeah reach out to me ask yeah. questions because i'm, I'm yeah. glad to be of support but i want to tell you get all the tests done so you can know in advance should anything happen so pray for yeah. me i'm having my first tomorrow well good for you yeah 
Mm. Okay, ladies, I love you. All right. Have Peace. a blessed one. Good night, everyone. Nice. Good night. Night, night. Bye-bye, ladies. Bye.